everybody, welcome to Hit Rewind. This episode's another perfect concert playlist where we choose three artists, sometimes two if they have a huge catalog of songs to choose from. Um, so this episode, Ron and I, my co-host, have chosen bands around colors. And uh, this was a little more torturous than I thought it would be. I mean, <laughs> and it was a last minute change because I realized I was being a doofus. Uh, so like we, we tossed around some ideas, but a lot of them were just like one hit wonders, you know, or, or just one or two songs and we would just choose the same thing. Um, and then for a while I had Pink Floyd in here, but I realized there's, that's such a huge mistake. That's more of like a Kings of Prog Rock episode where we do Rush and Yes and, and Pink Floyd. It, 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 the flow of sound did not go with this. And I realized being so stupid, because we talked about it, and I said no, like a doofus, uh, Rainbow <laughs> is a perfect connection to Deep Purple and Blue Oyster Cult, especially when I found out that, um... Richie Blackmore was the guitarist in the beginning for Deep Purple, so of course that's the flow that we should have gone with this. And the, 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 the sound's more similar, yeah. I agree. Big Floyd would have been a I was trying to sit down and do this, I'm like, man, this is just such a genre, like, kicking the pants yeah yeah um and then and then i I think i said something about oh my god david coverdale was also in i think deep purple or blue oyster call i think it was deep purple for a little bit no 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 he was the a singer in rainbow and he had a band called white snake and you're like okay dude we gotta stop i was like okay okay i can get out of control yeah i was gonna say there's we were just talking about this with my daughter today when i was uh going through some things um it's very much, and I don't know if it's like that today, and maybe it is, we just don't see it as often, but back in the 70s and the 80s and even into the 90s, there was a big family of musicians, and they kept jumping around whether they failed or, you know, failed project or whatever, and they're just moving on to something else, or they're just filling in for, you know, hey, I've got this gig going, would you mind stepping on us, you know, a.k.a. damn Yankees, you know? And right, like, yeah. They're just... It's really neat when you dig into the, the family tree of all of it. It's, it's, cool. it's happened a few other times. There was that super group revival around 2003 or four when we had like uh, Rage Against the Machine and Chris Cornell from Soundgarden and they did um, Audio Slave. And I remember there was one with uh, some guys from Guns N' Roses and the lead singer okay. Stone Temple Pilots, Chicken Foot with Sammy Hagar and uh, Michael Anthony and some other guys. It was It was a small revival, but it didn't really take off. No. Unfortunately, I get a lot of the people out there, they're especially the diehard fans, they like, they know them from this, this, and this. And it's really hard to see them in anything else. Yeah. Because all you can hear, when you hear Sammy Hagar's, you know, even though Hagar was his own thing before Van Halen, the, you, you've got two camps there. Right, because well, he know, was in Montrose, like, and then he went solo for a few years, and then joined Van Halen. Mm-hmm. I like both well, versions of Van Halen, by the way. I don't understand this. Like, you know, it either needs to be David Lee Roth or Sammy Hagar. I'm like, it's called the best of both worlds for a reason, bro. <laughs> I never listened to the third version, though. I'm I probably lean more towards the, uh, the the former than the latter, but I do like them both. Yeah. All right, so let's get to the task at hand. We have 20 songs. We have three bands. You're you're going first. Who is opening your concert? Who's opening my concert? I'm going to have to say Deep Purple's going to be last. So okay. <laughs> in my opinion, they're the big one here. Um, so maybe... I, I, honestly, when you look into this, it's kind of a toss-up between Blue Oyster and Rainbow because, I mean, they both have their own thing. Like, 
Rainbow was big <laughs> earlier on, but Blue Oyster Cult became a bigger thing in their time. So I'm just going to pick one, and there's really no rhyme or reason behind it. So we're going to okay. start off with Blue Oyster Cult. And I'm going to say I had a little bit of an issue with this one because I honestly didn't know a whole lot from them. I knew the, the big ones, and that's probably what's going to be here for the most part. Um, but... I did manage to find 10, and I did manage to find more than that. I just had to, I, just, I was worried I wasn't going to be able to whittle it down. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I... Whittle it up, rather. <laughs> when, I, when I first suggested this, I assumed the Blue Oyster Cult was going to be the big one for me. Like, all the choices were going to be that band. And I just uh -huh. went through album after album, and I really was like, I only like the songs that were fairly well-known already by myself. And so, surprisingly, who I thought would be closing the concert is also my opener with the fewest amount of songs. Oh, so, go ahead. What are your Blue Oyster Cult choices? I say, uh, Don't Fear the Reaper. Godzilla would be number two. Well, actually, no, no particular order here. Cities on Flame with Rock and Roll. That's a fun one. Uh, Train True. This is one that I didn't know about until I started going into this list. And it, it's called Lenny's Song. And I need to do some research on this. I don't know, is there a Lenny in the group? Or is this a tribute to Lenny? But it's really fun and wacky. <laughs> so to me, it doesn't sound like a Motorhead, you know, <laughs> type of thing. So I don't know about that one. But uh, I, I will look into that one. Uh, number five would be Burning For You, Dancing In The Ruins. I hear that every day on my playlist on my bus. Uh, Make Rock Not War. That's a new one to me. The the vigil in the and take me away. Okay. And, uh, you covered most of the songs that I uh, chose. Uh, nothing really surprising. I only had one, uh, five choices. Um, I'm starting off with Don't Fear the Reaper. I figured that's kind of a slow build up and kind of wake up the audience. Then I'm going Godzilla, which is a fun, just an audience stomper. Um, a deeper one from the movie Heavy Metal. Terrible movie, by the way. As an adult, you realize this is trash. Great soundtrack, though. It really it is. It's inconsistent animation, and it's really just there for teenage boys to ogle. Back when we couldn't get access to boobies as easily, so. Um, but Veteran of the Psychic Wars, I think, is a phenomenal song. Probably their last great album. Uh, Cities on Fire with Rock and Roll, and then just ending it with Burning For You. I've always thought that Burning For You would make a really good ska cover. If you pick up the beat just a little bit and add horns... I think I think that'd be a great Scott cover. Yeah, Horn Friends, because I want to hear that. <laughs> I wonder if anybody's ever done that. I should look it up. Ever been a Scott cover of that? Um, all right, so that is so I had a lot less than you did. What is your second band? To be honest, to be honest uh, friends, I uh, I had five songs on this, and then I had to move on to, to the other ones because it couldn't really couldn't really come up with any more. But when I sat down and actually really listened to it, I found quite a few more that I actually dig uh number two on my list would be rainbow and i have stargazer lots of fun stone cold is actually the first one i ever come to when i think of rainbow don't know why that song sticks in my head there yeah, are other good songs by them um long live rock and roll uh i surrender anybody there is an instrumental there's actually two instrumentals on this on this particular album that i liked but I had to keep it at 10, so I picked this one out of the two, but they both would have been fine. Honestly, I think you could have put them both together and had a nice seven-minute or eight-minute long 
Just jam session. Yeah. Well, a lot of the songs um, are like prog rock almost in their length. Yeah. <laughs> what I listened to was, yeah, we were listening to Rainbow today and I was uh, digging through, uh, what's it called? Child, uh, something child. I can't remember the name of the song offhand, but uh, it's like 10 minutes long. I was telling my daughter, I'm like, this is the 70s. <laughs> you know, this is the epitome of the 70s. Nobody knew how to write a four minute song. Of, uh, Beatles were the last ones that did them, and they did them like two and three minutes long. You know, if you could fit four albums on, a, on an audio cassette. Uh, but when the 70s rolled around, everything's, you know, laid back, and I, I just don't know how to end the song. I'm just jamming, leave me be, you know? And I love it, honestly, as long as they're good instrumentalists. But uh, let's see, number six on this list. I Lighten the Black. Death Alley Driver is a fun one. Um, probably not one you want to drive to because you could probably get in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> Full for the Night, Power, and Danger Zone. So we, we, it turns yeah. out we had more songs by Rainbow than we both expected. I did not expect to get nine songs. Nine? Yeah. How many did you have? I had ten. Oh, uh, see, I was... I whittled it down a little bit, but that being said, my, my uh, stepdad loved Rainbow. Oh, okay. How many so, songs total do you have? I had a couple of albums there, but... What? How many songs total do you have? Total? I, I managed to get 31. Total. Oh, okay. I did. I just did 20, so... um. So, uh, so we're going Rainbow next. Uh, I'm just going to open with the one that everybody knows, just to warm people up. Uh, Man on the Silver Mountain, I think it's just like, oh, yeah, yes. hey, you know. Uh, Long Live Rock and Roll. Uh, Temple of the King is fantastic, and it's been stuck in my head for four days, so it's almost at that point where it's no longer fantastic, <laughs> where I'm a little annoyed. <laughs> that one barely just made, it barely got pushed off my list. Yeah. That was at number 10 for a long time, and then I found another one. So like... uh, the Black Sheep of the Family is number four. Do You Close uh, Your Eyes is number five. A Light in the Black is number six. Lady of the Lake is number seven. Gates of Babylon oh. is number eight. And Kill the King I thought was a great song to end it with. I forgot about Lady of the Lake. This is, I feel like this is where sword and sorcery uh, yeah. music really starts. Yes. Well, this is like... Um, I was really into Man of War in high school, so yes. that's where the sword and sorcery... I didn't realize that I started earlier in that... Yeah, I mean, there's 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 hints of it. I guess technically, it probably would start with. Um, well, Dio had a band in '68 called Elf that lasted like three albums before they morphed into Rainbow. Um, most of the members went over to that, but there was also like, if you listen to the first few albums by Black Sabbath, there is some of it there, like The Wizard, but that just seems like an anomaly. This is where it's like thematically seems like it's heavy into fantasy. Yeah, I, I think that's a running theme in the seventies. Well, yeah, it was a phenomenon because of... it's the revival of Conan and Lord of the Rings, uh, and then yeah. we had like we almost had Dune movie in the seventies, and and then we just started getting like more fantasy and comic books and stuff like that because movies couldn't afford it. Not until the 80s, and still, some of that's questionable, people. <laughs> but yeah, by like 82, though, it exploded, and all of a sudden, Sword and Sorcery's everywhere for a while. And it comes and goes. It's kind of like, uh, 
like werewolf movies you know those those have like oh all of a sudden there's a bunch of werewolf movies and then there's none and the (laughs) finding a good sword and sorcery movie is about as easy as finding a good werewolf movie (laughs) this isn't very easy (laughs) now listening through all these there was one particular song and i can't remember which group it is offhand i've been listening to so many in the last couple weeks but the song itself dealt with a vampire and losing his loss, he, you know, he lost his love through some tainted blood or something along those lines. Takes a minute or two before you realize they're talking about a vampire. Ah, you know, so it's about um, among mortals for two hundred years. Yeah. <laughs> oh, when you said tainted blood, I went, oh, tainted blood, <laughs> tainted blood. Don't bite me, please, cause I don't want to have to bleed. <laughs> I hate you when you bite me so. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I'll stop now. Sung in the style of Robert Goulet in Vegas. Anyway. <laughs> That's literally the only way I can sing is like a lounge singer. I have no idea how to sing. I don't have the lung capacity. It's alright, man. Her name is Rio and she dances on the sand. Hey, waiter, what's the special for tonight? Yeah. <laughs> don't forget to take the witches. <laughs> the, uh, alright, so Deep Purple. one i could go on forever but i had to narrow it down so, uh black knight soldier of fortune absolutely love that one perfect strangers of course the age-old smoke on the water this one's fun for me because i came into the room this was last year i think at some point and my son was in the loft playing around on my electric uh-huh. his electric he had and he was trying to do that, Darren. Darren. Yeah, A B A A A B A. That's like the song everybody learns in the beginning. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> anyway, um, Highway Star, Burn, Hush, Hush, Hush. Sorry. Well, you know what's funny is I didn't know that was a Deep Purple song. The first time I had ever heard that song was a cover on the first Scream soundtrack. Scream. Yeah. Yeah, there's a cover on the very first album. Or soundtrack. You know, yeah. Space Trucking would have been number nine for me. Uh, lazy. This is one of those long ones I was talking about. It's <laughs> it's very much lazy. Because I was playing around with this one trying to determine whether I wanted to throw it in there or not. Well, you know what? In a concert setting, it's perfect. Yeah. They come out on stage or, you know, after break or whatever, and they start playing this four minute long or whatever it is I can't remember uh, just nothing but instrumental and then they start singing they're you know, like oh there are lyrics to this song <laughs> <laughs> that's, what, that's what it is with Rainbow you sit there sometimes waiting I was like is this purely instrumental in the last minute they throw in lyrics You're like oh no I guess not. oh I guess we're not done it sounded like it but no <laughs> uh, and then I, well that's number 10 but I actually threw Mean Streak on there too because I love that one <laughs> Uh, and they'd be my main my headliner anyway, so yeah, got one or two um, encores anyway. So yeah, I can't imagine. I mean, I think I would if you consider how many songs I chose. I guess Rainbow would be the headliner since they have the most songs. But no one's gonna go see a concert. I think that Rainbow is the headliner. They want to see the other two bands. The other two bands were much bigger. But um, so my Deep Purple list is pretty short too. Uh, just like Blue Oyster called, it's Highway Star. Uh, Perfect Strangers, Black Knight, Hush, 
And I think the only one that you didn't have was Throw the Bones or Throw My Bones. Um, and then ends with Space Trucking, which is a badass song. The first time I had ever heard that song was in the trailer for that Ash vs. Evil Dead TV show. <laughs> yes. And I, I don't think it was their version. I think it was a cover because it seemed like it was really intense. But it wasn't far off from the uh, the original. Uh, who was it that did... Um... Oh yeah, I'm pretty sure that was. I'm pretty sure it was Blue Oyster Cult. They did an album, I think, like eight years ago, where it's covers. It was really good. I liked it. I wanted to throw it on there, but I just had to make a choice between their song and someone else's. Yeah. Well, what's shocking (laughs) about this is that Blue Oyster Cult has never lost a single member of their band. I think it's still the original lineup, and no one's defected to go start another band. Deep Purple's a little more fractured, but it's still essentially the same core guys still together after all this time. Rainbow, of course. Rainbow struggled because after the first, I think, three albums, they lost uh, Dio over to Black Sabbath. And then they got David Coverdale for a couple albums, but then lost him. And then, like, in 80 or 81, they decided to become like almost like a new wave band. They had a big hit with uh, Since You've Been Gone. Um, which I didn't really care for. I mean, it's a nice song, but it didn't really fit in with the rest of the stuff because it felt like it was Identity Crisis kind of sound. Um, I mean, they're not the only ones. Alice Cooper went New Wave for two albums in the early 80s as well. <laughs> and um, yeah. and then and then he decided that he wanted to do... Uh, he has a whole other band. I can't remember what it's called. Like, Richie Blackmore's Night, I think it is. Um, or Black Knight or something like that, where it's more uh, almost like... I'm gonna call it like ethereal kind of medieval music with his wife. With his wife? I'm pretty sure it's his wife. So they they have had a band for like the last decade where it's mostly just like this medieval. Uh, what do you call that stuff? Um, that kind of music. Um, doggone it! The guy, you know, uh, what's the guy that goes around with a, a little guitar and? Uh, Are you talking about like? Uh, no, not Renaissance. Um, but it's not it's not far off from that. There's there's a word for those it. Guys, yeah. yeah. I, I can't get off it. Um, is it called Blackmore's Night? Yes. Okay. Christmas themed album, Holly. Interesting. But it's like I, it has like this Celtic medieval infusion. Um, but what, what minstrel? You know, is that what it is? Minstrel? No. Uh, Cred bum. I was trying to figure this out. Is that's probably fifteen subgenres for the one we're trying to figure out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But every time you go to a Renaissance fair, there's always a group of people singing this stuff, and yeah. um, and you're like, oh, that's cute. But it's not. It's it's so weird that he wanted to do something like this. But I'm guessing it's just like, hey, I was already you know singing about like sword sorcery stuff anyway, so there might be an audience there. And you know, if his wife's the singer, um, I can I can see that. I mean, honestly, it's it's not unbelievable outside the realm of possibility for things like that because you'd be amazed at how many different styles of music certain people the heaviest of rockers that you grew up with playing jazz i mean there were jazz or classically trained or you know like yeah yeah they sit down and play Bach all day long and love it um okay so I, here it is i get it as a musician because I, I mean for most of my childhood i was pretty pigeonholed in what i listened to uh, because it was pretty much down to what i was surrounded with well yeah i mean we live, like we live high school 
yeah, we lived in a small town and we didn't have access to a lot of music. We like at best we had MTV, but that always played the same stuff unless you waited up late at night to watch like you know uh, that alternative show or Headbangers Ball or whatever. You didn't really get anything that wasn't part of the mainstream. Yeah. So that's where I was lucky with Fane in my life because he had a nice little eclectic mix of albums. He, he had a, yeah, I, I've seen the album collection. I remember like being introduced. A lot of it was just like we're looking at the album covers. We're like, oh my God, look at this artwork. We got to check this out. <laughs> <laughs> Let me get up. Some of the artwork didn't really match the music. No, I was still like, whatever. I remember now Molly Hatchet, of course, had a couple big hits or whatever. But when I saw that album cover, I was like, oh my God, I got to see this. And I was like, there's no sword and sorcery in this. Darn. There's none. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, our choices were limited, but now we get more expansive. What I love is that you can go on uh, a music host, you know, like the one that we use. uh, You know, there's Apple and Spotify and all that stuff. Tune in, where you can choose an artist, and then it either makes a playlist for you around that, and you discover some people you didn't really know, or it'll give you like these little panels if you like this band or in relation to this band and it'll show you other bands and that helps a lot actually with the search for our show when we're trying to team up um, artists yeah and so yeah the new generations get to discover music that way too yeah yeah we're definitely this generation of kids doesn't has no idea well, this generation of uh, kids apparently doesn't like rock and roll. I don't understand. There's no new rock and roll bands that have made any sort of headway since Imagine Dragons. And that was a decade ago. <laughs> I was like, oh, let's see. Yeah, Imagine Dragons would be the one I'm definitely say in that realm. But um, I want to say Muse, but they're... Yeah, Muse is older, though. Muse is around, like, is I don't older. know, seven years earlier than Imagine Dragons. Yeah. So we're talking almost every single band that can fill our arena have gray hair. <laughs> Where are the kids? The kids out of the garages, you know, that were kicking butt. It's just, it's been decades, I feel like, since kids are like, yeah, I'm going to rock and roll. But now it seems like they're isolated and they're just, you know, making music on their laptop and sending it out instead of like getting together in, in a, you know, like I said, a garage or, or like you in band class. That's honestly what really opened up everything for me. Getting in band, deciding to get back into band because I had actually quit. When I got to high school, they said, you either march or you're not in band. I said, oh, see you. Somebody talked me back into it, and it was the best thing that ever happened to me because from that point on, my music, whatever you want to call it, horizons were broadened. And I'm glad, I, you know, I won't look back. I'm the best thing that's ever happened to me. Yeah. Well, and we, we had, we all had like that one friend that always had weirdo taste. Uh-huh. You know, they were always the ones that were like going to the city uh, to go to a record shop to find all sorts of unusual stuff. And we had that with like Aaron Hawley, where Aaron he was Hawley, like, yep. this is ska. And you're like, what's ska? And he's like, you don't know about, you know, like or that or punk or, or just alternative stuff. And then all of a sudden radio kind of caught up in nine, like 96 and started playing the stuff that was a little more offbeat and changing because for the longest time, all we had was heavy metal and grunge, which grunge kind of is heavy metal. It's just stripping away a lot of the excess. Yeah. And it's a little more angsty. Yeah. And, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> well, yeah, there's no one talking about partying all night. Uh, <laughs> um... But yeah, I think I think the '70s still is considered the greatest era for rock for a lot of people. I mean, kids today, 
they kind of tap out. I see it all the time in my job because uh, we have a lot of teenagers come in and work out, and they're wearing Nirvana. They're wearing, you know, uh, Guns N' Roses and stuff like that. And it feels like around 95, music just tapped out for a lot of people. Yeah, I'm amazed at some of the kids that get on the bus wearing, you know, the bands that we grew up with. But I shouldn't be amazed, honestly, because what I knew is what my parents knew. Right, because, you first, know, right? why well, remember when... Like in middle school and high school, we started discovering the 60s and 70s music. So we're wearing Led Zeppelin, The Doors, and, and, and stuff like the CCR. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, but other than that, I think... new again. Yeah. Um, so I guess that's the end of this episode. We're going to do a little kind of curve in the road over to funk and soul for a couple uh, episodes. We picked, what, seven, six or seven bands and we're going to kind of make a list out of those and then go right. I think I think after that we should do the, the Kings of Prog Rock. I think it's time for, yes, uh-huh. Pink Floyd and, uh, um, uh, what was the other one? Oh, Rush. That stupid joke I was saying, who's on stage? Yes. Also, <laughs> yes is on stage. No, the who. <laughs> the who? Well, also the guess anyway. who. Wait, huh? Yeah, well, you saw I did that sketch. I did that sketch. It was my own version of Who's on First because it was uh, the bands The Who, The Guess Who, Yes, The The, and I think there was another one in there. Uh, the Band. The Band. The Band. <laughs> who's up there? The Band. Yeah, which band? The Band. Who? No, who's on next? <laughs> who was on first? Who was on first? Well, who's after them? Yes. That's what I'm asking you. <laughs> Or something. Anyway. Yeah. We we segue. All right. We're off. We'll see you later. Have a good night. Have a good one. I should stop saying have a good night because I have no idea when you're listening to us. Happy listening or something. That works.